Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Welcome to the FT Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk of the Financial Times. In this podcast, David Crowe reports from the US, where the drugs watchdog has declared painkiller abuse to be a national epidemic. Some doctors blame overprescribing, but others say the solution is not fewer drugs but better ones, to develop tamper-resistant pills. David finds this search has led to a surge in the recruitment of drug users to test the new opioids, and talks to Brandon, one of the human guinea pigs. When Brandon had his appendix removed at the age of 26, his doctor gave him a supply of opioid-based painkillers to help with the discomfort. Within a week, he no longer needed them, but by then he had discovered a hankering for the high he got from taking the drugs. Brandon told me, Mostly I would use them on nights where I would not go out to the bar, just stay at home, take a bunch of pills and draw or play video games in my room. Three months later, the drugs from the doctor ran out, says Brandon, so I proceeded to just find them here and there from friends. And so he joined the ranks of the many millions of people who have found euphoria in drugs derived from the opium poppy, a flower first cultivated in 3400 BC in Lower Mesopotamia by the Sumerians, who refer to it as the joy plant. He also became one of the more than 2 million Americans who abused prescription opioid-based painkillers such as Oxycontin, a popular form of the drugs Oxycodone, and Opana, a type of oxymorphone. His family soon found out about his pill-popping, but it was rarely discussed. It became, he says, an unspoken truth. The US drugs watchdog recently declared opioid abuse in America to be a national epidemic, claiming an average of 45 lives through overdose each day. 80% of heroin addicts say they first became addicted to opioid prescription painkillers, both of which are cleaved from the joy plant. Dealing with the crisis has become the subject of a fierce debate in the American medical establishment. On one side are those doctors who believe that their profession has spent decades over-prescribing opioids, helping patients pursue zero pain while unwittingly pushing many of them to addiction. In supporting their case for sharp curbs on prescriptions, this group points to figures showing that US opioid distribution on a measure known as morphine-equivalent milligrams soared from 25.3 per person per year in 1980 to 550.7 by 2012. Adriana Bade who runs a charity to tackle opioid abuse in New York, told me, It can be traced to a period of overprescribing of opioid analgesics by providers and physicians. Pharmaceutical companies aggressively marketed to physicians and made it seem as if it would be a safe and non-addictive form of pain treatment. But others in the medical establishment, including some pain specialists and most drug makers, say the solution is not necessarily fewer drugs, but better ones a new generation of opioids with physical or chemical features to drive down improper consumption. In May, the US Food and Drug Administration issued a set of guidelines to encourage the pharma industry to develop tamper-resistant painkillers. Those who develop pills with novel technologies are rewarded with a drug label that allows them to market their products as abuse deterrent. 
To qualify, these drugs need physical qualities intended to make them more difficult to use recreationally, such as hard shells designed to withstand crushing and snorting, or gumming agents that make it more difficult to dissolve a pill in water before injecting it. More advanced approaches include planting a chemical designed to counter the effect of the opioid inside the pill, which is released if the drug is tampered with, the equivalent of a car immobiliser that is activated when the vehicle is stolen. There are just four opioid-based painkillers on the US market classed as abuse deterrent, but there are scores more in development. The potential size of the commercial opportunity is huge, especially if the FDA blocks painkillers that do not have anti-abuse features, or if the US Congress goes a step further by removing products without tamper protection from the market, a move that some in the industry are lobbying for. Ronnie Gall, an analyst at Bernstein Research, is predicting an intellectual property bonanza for companies working in this field. He estimates that switching the 18 million US prescriptions that are filled with generic drugs to new abuse deterrent alternatives would generate roughly $4.4 billion in additional revenue for the industry each year. Some argue that tamper-proof painkillers are just another money-making wheeze for Big Pharma, which gets to take old drugs, many of which have lost patent protection or are about to, and charge higher prices. Dr. Jurlink, a professor of drug safety at the University of Toronto, said this. It is hard to swallow the idea that those companies who made so much money from drugs that did more harm than help should now get an additional reward for developing new versions just before the patents run out. In 2010, Purdue Pharma, a group that specialises in opioid painkillers, removed its drug OxyContin from the market and replaced it with a reformulated version that has a coating designed to make it harder to abuse. It became the first product to receive abuse deterrent labelling from the FDA in 2013. According to a study published in April in the Journal of the American Medical Association, the removal of the older OxyContin from the market had, by 2012, led to a dramatic fall in the overall number of opioid prescriptions, which were 19% lower than would otherwise have been expected. Ronnie Gao from Bernstein says this, It raised eyebrows, because it was basically an admission that lots of their prescriptions had been going to abusers. However, there are already signs that physical deterrence can be circumvented. On an online message forum for drug abusers, one participant recently offered a guide to removing the outer layer on OxyContin. And earlier this month, Purdue cancelled a follow-up meeting at the FDA, where it had been scheduled to present post-marketing studies intended to show that the newer OxyContin was being abused less than its predecessor. The company said it needed more time to conduct extra analysis. Other companies are trying to develop more effective physical barriers. Egalet, the Danish biotech group, is using injection moulding techniques to develop a tamper-resistant version of morphine sulphate that is hard to crush and cannot be sucked into a syringe. A different approach, being pursued by Pfizer and others, involves planting a so-called antagonist into the centre of the pill, which counteracts the effects of the opioid. If the drug is ingested as intended, the antagonist is not deployed, but it is released if the pill is chewed, crushed or dissolved. Brandon did not become addicted to opioids, but his recreational abuse led him to an unusual career move. He told his friends he had started working as an independent contractor for a pharmaceuticals group. Not a lie exactly, but a bending of the truth. It would have been more honest to say he had become a human guinea pig for pharma companies wanting to test out their abuse deterrent opioids. 
He first took part in so-called human abuse liability studies after a colleague returned to work from a month-long break sporting an expensive new watch. Brandon recalls, he told me he had done a recreational drug study and the financial benefits of it. Quite frankly, I didn't believe him, so I called up. Brandon was paid $3,100 for his first study, a three-month trial that involved working three days every other week. A second, 30-day study earned him $4,500. Brandon says, It was at that point I put in my two weeks' notice and continued to do the drug studies, essentially full-time. Along with other participants, Brandon was given a series of pills, a mixture of the abuse deterrent drugs, normal opioids and placebos, and then he was told to abuse them before reporting back on the effects. Sometimes he had to snort the crushed pills, his least favourite method, while on one occasion he swallowed 21 tablets, most of them placebos, in five minutes. Researchers carried out so-called pharmacokinetic assessments that measure the speed at which the drugs coursed through his body. These studies are not just legal, they are actively encouraged by the FDA, which wants proof that abuse-deterrent opioids really do deter abuse. Dr Lynn Webster runs the Life Tree Clinic in Salt Lake City, where Brandon participated in trials. He told me this. The number of studies we're doing has increased tremendously in the last two years because of the opioid crisis, the need for safer forms and the FDA incentives. Lifetree has a database containing the details of several thousand eligible participants, mostly men in their mid-twenties. Those taking part must be recreational drug users, but they cannot be physically dependent or addicted. Prospective subjects are first given naloxone, a drug that binds to opioid receptors in the brain and cuts off the effects of the drug. Anyone who displays signs of withdrawal symptoms is not allowed on the trial. However, some addiction doctors warn that this process is not without its dangers and that it is unlikely to prevent every potential opioid addict from enrolling in the studies. Dr William Jacobs, head of addiction medicine at Georgia Regents University, told me this. It's usually only in hindsight that you can tell when someone has crossed the line from abuse to dependence. A lot of people enrolling in these studies might be opioid addicts. You just might not know it yet. Recruitment to the studies is mainly by word of mouth, but it is not hard to find willing candidates. Dr Webster of the Lifetree Clinic said this. These are individuals who like to use drugs. They are getting paid to do something they love. Confidentiality and protection from law enforcement agencies is guaranteed by the FDA and the National Institutes of Health. However, even those who are involved in developing a new class of opioids concede that the drugs are no panacea for America's painkiller addiction. Hard shells and antagonists might foil the casual recreational user, but they can be easily circumvented by drug dealers with a basic grasp of chemistry. Bob Rady, chief executive of Egalet, admitted, We can't stop the industrial user with a lab in their basement. Another problem is that the current technologies all focus on tampering with the pill crushing it, chewing it, dissolving it. But more than 90% of opioid abuse is oral. Most users just take more pills than they should. There is also a risk that addicts who cannot access abusable opioids will switch to heroin instead, joining the steady tide of those who progress from painkillers to the heavy stuff. Earlier this month, the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention in the US said heroin use had increased by 63% between 2002 and 2013 across the US, especially among women, people with private health insurance and those on higher incomes. 
The strongest risk factor for heroin use was a prescription opioid use disorder, the agency said, as it called for improvements in prescribing practices. At the time, CDC director Dr Tom Frieden said this, Heroin use is increasing at an alarming rate in many parts of society, driven by both the prescription opioid epidemic and cheaper, more available heroin. Some doctors say abuse-deterrent opioids run the risk of making the problem worse, arguing that they send a business-as-usual message to the medical establishment. The last word goes to Dr Jolink. The biggest problem with these formulations isn't simply that they cost more or give the drug companies more patent protection or even that they lead doctors to think they're safer. But when you focus on these as the solution, you draw attention away from a policy that might actually work. Brandon's name was changed to protect his identity. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.